Welcome to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, the ultimate resource for business success and growth. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm thrilled to be joining you on this exciting journey. Currently, I hold the position of VP and GM of NWS Canada. Additionally, I take pride in being the author of the critically acclaimed book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Throughout this podcast, my mission is crystal clear, to equip you with the strategies and insights you need to not only establish a strong presence in front of your clients, but also to take meaningful action and maintain that position. After all, being a pleasure to do business with is the key to fostering lasting connections in the corporate world. Together, we'll explore the art of not just building a successful and profitable company, but also cultivating a high-performing team that's capable of achieving remarkable results. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or anyone looking to excel in the world of commerce, this podcast is tailored to help you thrive. If you're eager to be part of the conversation, I encourage you to visit my website, navigate to the podcast section where you can sign up and stay updated and participate in the show. Our episodes typically run for a duration of 30 to 40 minutes, ensuring you get a compact yet insightful dose of valuable information. So get ready to unleash your profit powerhouse potential. Join me on this podcast as we delve into the strategies, stories, and secrets that will drive your success. Remember, your journey to becoming an influential person and prosperous business leader starts right now. Welcome to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, your essential guide to the cutting edge of business and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and today we're joined by a truly exceptional leader in the world of fashion logistics. Our guest today is Courtney Folk, the co-founder and CEO of Renewable Renewal sorry, Logistics. Under Courtney's dynamic leadership, Renewal Logistics has become the largest independent apparel restoration company in the U.S., and a leading third-party logistics provider for the fashion industry. With over 20 years of experience alongside her husband and business partner, Brian, Courtney has transformed the family business into a profit powerhouse of apparel fulfillment, providing comprehensive solutions for some of the world's most renowned apparel brands. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here, Glenn. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again for coming. So um, I think your begin your uh, some of your beginnings were in dry cleaning and stuff from what I was reading. So maybe you can give us a bit of a background on how the genesis of your business and how it, how you came to get to where you're at today. It'd be uh, nice to catch us up on that. Sure. So um, my husband and I were dating in 2003 and uh, we both kind of hated our jobs. <laughs> and um, I was a corporate sales rep for Alltel, which is now Verizon. He was actually a chemist for uh, the state of South Carolina in their drug ID uh, lab. So he did kind of what people do on NCIS, but he says it's a lot more boring. And um, <laughs> and we knew that we um, weren't a long-term fit in either role, but we weren't sure really what we wanted to do. And uh, Brian's parents were actually, they had four little dry cleaning stores at the time. They had been in the business, the dry cleaning business for their whole lives. And um, we were like, you know, this isn't really where we want to end, but it's probably a good place to start to get into the family business and understand business. And maybe we can see if we can take it somewhere else. And so um, we got engaged. And then the next Monday, we got engaged on a Saturday. The next Monday, I went in and put my two weeks notice in. <laughs> <laughs> the best feeling ever. <laughs> um 
And then, um, and then, so we started working together. And um, so, like I said, we started with four stores and then um, within the, a year or two, we grew to become about the second largest vendor in the, in, in Columbia, South Carolina for dry cleaning. Then we realized that there was an opportunity in the insurance restoration world to help customers get their lives back together after house fires um, by cleaning their apparel and, you know, fabric items in their home. So, uh, we quickly, within just a few years, became the largest um, in the U.S. that's an independent company that's not a part of a franchise doing doing this business. And um, we've got about 200,000 square feet of dry cleaning wow. space. And um, and then we were approached in 2013 by a top five apparel brand. Um, and it's like a conglomerate that has many other brands underneath it as well or within it as well. And um they had, you know, like um, a huge order that was destined for the number one largest um, big box discount store in the U.S. Um, and it was jeans. It was 300,000 pairs of jeans, which is like nine truckloads. And um, they were contaminated with mold. And so they needed um, a solution, but there wasn't really one. And they, no, they couldn't find one within their industry anywhere. Um so they started doing a Google search and located us. And then they were like, well, can you do this? And we were like, sure we can. And, and they were like, okay, well, we need it done in two weeks. And so then we were just like, oh, wow. Well, how are we going to do that? But we knew it was our break to go from an industry that is, um, it's very, it's not very scalable. The insurance world, it's, you know, very one-off. Each adjuster kind of handles things right. differently. So getting into larger apparel, um, you know, like working with distribution on the front end just seemed like it. there was just a tremendous amount of opportunity there. So we we actually handled that for them. It went very smoothly. Um, it was going to, like I said, a very large uh, wholesaler, which is really known for, for chargebacks and very difficult to do business with. Um, they had zero chargebacks when these goods went into their location after we had handled them. And then they were like, well, guys, you guys have so much attention to detail. You're so good at this. What else can you do? And so then it's just kind of started. A, it, we've had a 10 year relationship with that account. We have a location that's basically in their parking lot now, 85,000 square feet. Um, and we handle all of their returns, all of their wholesale, um, you know, uh, programs that go into these companies now. So um, big bulk shipping um, orders. And then we also do about five years ago, we decided that our customer concentration was a little high. Um, and so we started working with medium and small businesses as well to kind of diversify a little bit. And we felt like we had a lot to offer those companies since we had all this very global, very huge experience. And we would be able to help a brand kind of go through that arc of, you know, okay, today you're selling 100 units, tomorrow you're selling 1,000 a month from now, it's 10,000. You know, how do you do that if you don't understand all the details of working on a global level so that you understand the management you need, you understand the configuration of the warehouse, you understand the technology piece. There's just, there's just a lot to it. And so um, it's been so fulfilling to be able to help companies that are small and medium-sized businesses like we are now um, because you just see the difference that you make in their business and, and these owners in their lives. Um, so, um, you know, Sarah Blakely, who started Spanx, like she always talks about how the only thing that she thinks about is her customer. 
and her customers and her mind for every decision that she makes. And it's the same for us. Like we, but our customer is not the end user necessarily. It's the owner of that right. company that's going to be, you know, feeling a tremendous amount of relief from having um, a support system that's just a, you know, uh, you sign the line and then it, it goes. Yeah. You know, so let me ask you, so the name of the company is Renewal Logistics, right? So is it Renewal and Logistics or is it Renewal Logistics? You know what I mean? Like, it sounds like you guys are doing the renewal process, which sounds really uh, cool. I'd love to learn more about that. But also there seems like there's a newer and and a different piece, which is logistics or maybe th third party logistics, handling, shipping, receiving returns and all that goes into that. Or are they always tied together? It, you know, it has to have a renewal piece before you'll logisticize it. So can you just elaborate <laughs> on that? <laughs> Um, so, uh, so the business that is in the insurance restoration world, that company is called Renew and the website is renewclean.com. Renewal Logistics is, um, a business and we just focus mainly on apparel and CPG brands and okay. name renewal did come from the fact that we were doing all of these returns and all this refurbishment and keeping goods out of landfills. We, pr we probably kept about 30 million units out of landfills. Um, wow. so it, but so that's kind of our start and that's kind of always been our, our sense of presence when it comes to kind of what our, what our core values are about. But, um, but no, you don't have to have, you don't have to have a big need for returns or for refurbishment to, to work with us. Right. We work with a lot of different companies It just, most apparel companies have somewhere between 20 and 50% returns online, um, for their, for their, you know, so the handling and the processing and the steaming and the folding and all of that it, it can just be critical for these companies. Like uh, we're dealing with a customer right now that's 50% returns. And so by wow. being able to put that stock back in, turn it back into like usable stock that can be sold again within like 24 hours is going to be able to allow them to reduce their uh, purchases of stock by 25% to get the same sales. So it saves wow. a ton of money for them. And, um, you know, and is that so, is that kind of a unique thing that you guys do is the that quick turnaround and handling the apparel in that way? Is that one of yours? Is that what makes you different than maybe a sort of a standard Amazon three PL company? That's uh, is is the, the apparel is the big part of it by the sounds of it, eh? And how you handle apparel or? Yep. So um, you know, most three there's only like two or three three PLs in the whole U.S. that um, will take apparel. Most most don't want to deal with it at all. And. Oh, okay. Um, and so we feel like we have a very specialized niche because, um, and the reason that companies don't want to really deal with apparel is because <clears throat> there's so many SKUs. You have <clears throat> a Stanley cup might come in two sizes and 10 colors. So you've got 20 SKUs, right? With apparel, every single style probably has three or four different colors and probably eight to 10 different sizes. So you can, you can go from, you can be a very small company and have a thousand SKUs. You can be a medium-sized company and have tens of thousands of SKUs. So it's it's just a lot more, it's a lot more space. It's a lot more processing. It's a lot more opportunities to make mistakes. And so yeah. most 3PLs just don't want to, don't want to take that on. Yeah. Um, so how so, important was the, uh, was the, like the technology piece in building your business? I mean, and is that what did, um, uh, you know, and how did you approach that? Like, cause um I think originally you were doing the renewal piece, like the the garment refurbishment or um, and then you got into the logistics piece. Like, how did you build the back end to support such a large operation? 
probably a lot of midnight hours, but, uh, but beyond well, that. Yeah. Well, it was okay. So we are, um, our platform is Salesforce. Um, okay. so we we're early adopters of Salesforce. We started using Salesforce in 2008. I'll tell you that is really challenging because with Salesforce, any of these platforms, really, if you don't know how to do the kind of, I say coding, it's not really coding, mm -hmm. but if you don't know how to the customization and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know how to do that yourself, you can spend a tremendous amount of money. Um, yeah. For instance, we had to basically negotiate back about $15,000 in configuration costs because the consultant we were using didn't know how to do the things that she was supposedly. Right. So, you know, you have to be really careful um, from that perspective. But so we, we built our system in Salesforce. Um, we, we always looked at technology like this. We always said, okay, if if we if if we're continuing to run across the same problem or we're continuing to have to do the same tasks over and over, how do we automate it? Um, how do we make sure that we can report on a lot of different things so that we can have very easy to see KPIs? Um, and then, you know, but don't spend money if you're not actually going to see a, a financial result from it. And so another example of technology is um this sounds crazy, but um, you know, most dry cleaners don't use barcodes. Most dry cleaners use little paper tags with numbers yeah, on them. Right. We were one of the very first dry cleaners in the U.S. to have a barcode system where every every garment that came into our building was scanned in and out. And so, um, you know, that reduced issues from like one in three uh, claims that we were handling to like one in right under a hundred. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So I think it's just like really understanding kind of what. <clears throat> what the needs are and how, how to really make things run faster, cheaper, better, you know? Yeah. The, um, can you share maybe a significant challenge you faced and, and maybe how you overcame it to share with uh, some of the people building businesses right now and uh, anything that just comes to mind is, is fine. And uh, I'm sure you must've had a few. So. Yeah. Uh, well, you know um, I think in our scaling process, um, one thing that happened multiple times that I, that I always think is interesting and that I always talk about, especially when you've got small and medium sized businesses that are kind of listening in, um, is, well, there's three things. There's the resource piece, there's the employee piece, and then there's also the credibility piece. And I'll start with that. And that, and so every time that we've gone from like one industry to the next, we've always started and, and been very small going into that next industry. And so People will say, oh, you're small time. They'll do a lot of underestimating. And I've, I've found that you can look at that and that can allow, that can really impact your confidence. Or you can look at that and say, this is a major opportunity because people will tell you anything you want to know if they think that you are naive and really don't have a lot of information. And, right. you know, so I think, I think, I think that's one piece. Um, and then the second thing from a um, employee standpoint, I've always been a person who, really, really, really cares about our employees. Like culture is kind of the most important thing to me, but that can also be a real problem. Like you can turn a giver into a taker very quickly if you're not careful. And or at least I can. <laughs> so yes, indeed, having to learn as a woman to be not just a nice girl and a kind girl, but a very direct person and really not accept certain behaviors and, you know, call it out if someone is not performing at the right level um, right. I, I would have learned more about how to do that 20 years ago. I bet we would have been 10 or 15 or 20 times larger than we are now at this yeah. point. 
Yeah, when it comes to core values, I mean, uh, you know, so I think a lot of people, it takes time and and it, they're also so important when you're developing them, but you also have to realize you have to, you know, you have to reward based on core values, you have to hire based on your core values, you have to fire based on your core values, you could have a top performing salesperson that doesn't meet any of your core values. And unfortunately, they probably have to go right because they're going to they become a they become a detriment to the overall business, even though they're maybe bringing in high numbers, right? And so, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about that. I also wanted to share a funny story you were saying when you got engaged and then you quit your job, right? I kind of did the same thing, only only different. I basically got married and then I uh, I got married and then quit my job, but I forgot to tell my wife that I was quitting my job when I started my business, which I ended up selling for millions of dollars later in life. But uh, uh, yeah, we got married and six days later, I came home and I said, oh, I quit my job. I'm going to start my own business. And she's like, what? And uh, I know it it's kind of bizarre now looking back on it like how would one do such a thing but um but yeah so anyways i i i i know sort of similar similar sentiment to what you when you uh when you left your job after uh getting engaged there right so um what's your approach to sort of leadership and and team management at your business um, so we are, we use the EOS system, the entrepreneur operating system. We love it. So do um, we, are you the integrator or are you the visionary or what are you? I'm the visionary. I, I, I'm every day clawing myself out of the integrator role and putting, trying to get to where I'm fully the visionary and that's all that I do, but awesome. I do a little work. I do sit in the sales seat a little bit too. I have a sales team now, but I still do oversee sales. And then I, okay. I, will, kind of help problem solve larger problems. Um, And then we also do another thing that's kind of along the lines of core values. So like core values are awesome for making sure that you have the right fit from a perspective of, do they have the same mindset? Um, But, you know, like the other piece of that is the performance piece in their job. And so something else I found that is just awesome is, um, have you ever heard of the like business fundamentals? Have you ever heard of culture wise? Um, uh, no, I mean, I'm very familiar with EOS cause I'm the integrator and at my business, we've been on it for years, but, uh, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about. No. Is it a book you mean, or is it a process yeah. or something? Or It's a book. It's a book okay. by a guy named David Freeman and it's called culture wise. And he basically okay. outlines like 30 of the top behaviors that all high performing cultures, um, do. Okay. And, um, and so he calls them business fundamentals and, um, so what we did was we actually took their list and added to it. And then, um, and so in our company during our EOS meetings, um, we all talk about what does this core value? So it's like, there's a value and there's a behavior and the behavior rolls up to the value. So we talk about who does a really great job of this behavior in our company? What prevents us from being even better at this behavior in our company Um, you know, um, and then at the end of the week, we do kind of like a highlight of an employee who really lived that behavior really well and who, who just in general lives that behavior. And so it's kind of been a real interesting reinforcement for us because pretty much everybody that I've had to fire, I've had the words and the definition for how to fire them and why, and it wasn't a surprise. Yeah. So it's great. That's awesome. I wrote that down and I will. I will definitely uh, check it out. So what? how do you sort of see your, your guys' future rolling out? Is there, how do you see it evolving or how do you see maybe technology or just the retail landscape and e-commerce changing your business over the coming years? 
So um, yeah, that's a really interesting question. So automation is a big piece of our industry. Apparel doesn't work as well with automation as some other like pro some other products do. But right. um, so I mean, we have super aggressive growth plans. We plan to be in the top fifteen markets in the U.S. in the next three years, three to five years. Um, and we think that we can get to about a half a billion dollars in revenue in the next ten years. So we're really wow. growing fast. Um, that's and, exciting. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, it's also a lot of risk and a lot of work, yeah. but yeah, very exciting. It's been very fun. Um, and I think like, I think the big thing is, um, you know, um, it's very easy at this point to find out your performance and your track record compared to other people. And I think that that's been around for a long time. Customer reviews have been around for a long time, but I feel like it's becoming more and more and more of a thing. Um, and then I think you know, as far as like some of the more sophisticated like AI tools, I think that there's going to be a lot of really great opportunities that come from that too. Yeah. Um, I still think right now for us, the biggest piece is like the dashboarding that can come from um, systems like business and, you know, BI, business BI yeah. or like yeah. um, Tableau. Um, because from a warehouse execution standpoint, it tells us, it gives us a lot of ability, like gears to look, you know, dials yeah. to see how we're yeah. doing areas yeah. so we can catch things quickly we're huge on that as well on the dashboarding and stuff like that and um tying all of our systems into one and and giving everyone a dashboard that pertains to where they can see you know where they're where they're where their group's succeeding or not failing but you know what i mean where you say like the brakes yeah. and the gas and and the gears that's a good way of talking about it so so i uh -huh. guess sort of one of my final questions would be so a lot of people listening are you know going to be other uh, wanting to be an entrepreneur, right? So they have a job trying to, you know, wanting to leave a job, wanting to get engaged and quit their job, basically, right? <laughs> Just like yourself, right? So what advice would you give to entrepreneurs looking to, you know, make that leap and uh, maybe looking back, uh, you know, things that you, uh, you know, you hadn't thought of, but that were good or, or just advice for people that want to make that leap? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, um, you know, you have two options. You have a product business or a service business, basically. And um, you can quickly get started with a service business. I mean, you just need one customer. You just need to get one customer to, to buy whatever it is that you're offering. And you just need to do a really great job. And as soon as you do a great job, you're going to get more referrals for it. So I would say get started doesn't have to be what you, you know, a lot of people will wait until their inspiration or until they find something they're passionate about. Like the reality is in business, um, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're just passionate about earrings, okay, great. You know, start an earring store. But the reality is you have to be passionate about business itself. It can't right. just be about a product and a one solution that you're solving because you're going to have to iterate so much our business looks completely different, right? We've been through three different industries. And within those three industries, the, our, our service offering has completely changed multiple times based on what the customer's needs at the time are. So just get started. Um, you know, like, um, I don't, I'm not suggesting anyone quit their job tomorrow and start a business. I think it's good to, you know, have a side hustle for a little while and then get to a point where you've got someone who's happy and you can really kind of make that jump. But if, if you've got the financial, you know, support that you need to be able to go for it then go for it, but just understand you're going to work a whole lot of hours. I mean, you're going to work so many hours and you're, you're, it's always going to be there. And um, so, you know, realize you're going to have to like increase your risk tolerance and your, 
your, your amount of, of work, like those things for entrepreneurs are not the same as people who are just working in a job. And there's value to just working in a job. Like it's nice to have that type of a lifestyle. Um, so you have to really just be passionate about business if you're really yeah. going to make business last for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. There's also risks if you're getting engaged before you get there's before you start your business as well, right? The the engagement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that. I'll never forget we were in the warehouse and I was fussing at my husband and he punched a box and you could hear it across the whole warehouse. <laughs> and then his mom came in and was like, What are you doing? Why are y'all fighting in my building? Yeah, and it was yeah, the whole thing. So yeah, yeah you have yeah. to be really careful about who you go into business with, especially if it's your if it's yeah, your for sure, for sure. Wife. Yeah. And yeah, and I often <clears throat> often share like that when I made the first leap, like you do want to make sure you have money saved up, right? Because it takes a lot longer than you expect. You want to have some of those those um, you know guardrails built for yourself, right? And um, but once you actually do make the step into business, you know your mind shifts from the fear of making the step to the fear of failing, right? And so you've got a different fear at that point that's motivating you on and you're going to do whatever it takes. You know, you don't have 100%, you don't have a guarantee of success by any stretch, right? A lot of businesses fail, but but also, I mean, you know, not every business has uh, is destined for a long-term life. So maybe you're learning something to start a new business where then, you know, maybe it'll have a longer a longer life to it, right? But but I mean, if you can set up the guardrails for yourself so you can you can have the time to work on the business, that first step, you know, it is a scary one. But once you make that, I mean, you'll you you tend to really fill in the gaps with uh, determination and and uh, you know and a wanting to be success, right? So I always tell people try to get that you know just take that first step and um, you know and uh, see where it takes you. So. So what yeah. would you like to share with the audience um, as we wind down on, on yourself or on your business, how people could get a hold of you? It sounds like you have an amazing story, a lot, a lot more to tell. Uh, how do people uh, learn more about you? So um, I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, so you can search me, Courtney D. Folk, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y, D as in Davis, Folk, F-O-L-K. Um, and then, um, our business is renewallogistics.com and renewclean.com. Those are the two that we talked about today. Um, and would love to, you know, um, anybody ever have any questions or, you know, need anything, I'd love to be able to, um, to chit chat with anyone who is interested in talking about business because it's just, it's such a passion of mine. So, um, awesome. really excited to be here. Can I say one more thing in terms yeah, of, yeah, you can say whatever you want. Absolutely. Please. Please. Um, this is another thing that I just think is so, so impactful is um, getting into a CEO group where you have yeah. other people who are business owners that are surrounding you that you can, you know, some people will start with like one of those business development groups where you just meet some other people in a room. That's awesome. Right. But like, just don't get into a place where you are stuck um, having to be friends with your employees because th that's who you're spending all your time with. Make sure yeah. you have you can have as a sounding like board. a cohort and yes uh, exactly yeah I, i'm in vistage right now but there's there's a lot of other ones that are out there yeah. too 
It's so funny. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a lot in common, right. In terms of the way we started our businesses and then, uh, you're, you're in, uh, you're in EOS and I'm in EOS and, uh, um, I'm also, uh, the group I'm in, it's a cohort, right. There's eight of us now in the, and they're all sort of managing director, CEO kind of, uh, and in the entrepreneurial space called PEO leadership. Um, I'm not sure if it's in North American or just Canadian, but it's, uh, it's a, it's been a game changer for me because it's a, you know, it's a safe space where there's an NDA where none of us are in competitive industries. There's a, you know, really good NDA between everyone. So you can really be honest about what's going on, um, you know, in your, in your space and you're not telling any competitors, any secrets, and you can get some really great advice and, you know, they can really push you to take steps that you might be, you know, so that is an amazing piece of advice that you're giving, you know, and I know there's like tech group and there's um, there's there's a bunch of them out there. And I really recommend as well. I heartily agree with what you're saying about joining a CEO um, group or or cohort of some sort. And um, the advice is, you know, it's incredible and uh, it's been a game changer for me. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's so, awesome. yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Oh, right on nice to you. And yeah, um, that's same cool here. that we have so many commonalities and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love being here today. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the Profit Powerhouse. It was great having you and um, all the best, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you too, Glenn. Take care. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of the Profit Powerhouse podcast. Your support and engagement means the world to us. If you're brimming with expertise and eager to join us, navigate to my website at glenpoolis.com forward slash podcast and go to the Be A Guest section to connect with us. Don't keep this information to yourself. Please share this podcast on your favorite social media platforms to empower your network with the strategies and wisdom you've gained. Your feedback fuels our growth. Please take a moment to rate and review the Profit Powerhouse podcast wherever you listen. Your input helps us to continually refine our content to serve you better. Remember, our mission is your success. We've committed to providing you with the tools and insights to drive your business forward, and we're excited to have you on this journey with us. To stay up to date on the latest episodes, hit the subscribe button, and let's stay connected. Reach out to me on social media and continue the conversation and stay inspired. For resources and information, visit my website at glenpoolis.com. And before we sign off, remember, I'm Glenn Poulos, and reminding you that your potential as a business leader is limitless. Thank you for being a part of this podcast where your success story begins.